Welcome to Season 2, Episode 42 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today I have Matt Aguilar. What up? And a few familiar faces. We brought back Mr. Charlie Ridgely, a.k.a. Turn Up Charlie, to the show. What up? And queen of anime slash manga herself, Megan Peters, is back with us. I'm here. Hello. And we needed like a... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we needed a team of... Uh, we needed a kind of crack team of wide-ranging experts from uh, comic book staff today because we have a lot of things to talk about that are pretty exciting and that uh, we kind of need to go over. A lot of it was going to be a lot of smattering of news that has dropped, uh, which is good because we haven't had as much news. We've just been kind of freewheeling into our own thoughts and stuff, which can get a little crazy, especially with the lineup we have today. So we're going to keep it news-based just to keep everybody safe. Um, we're going to talk about the first trailer for Justice, or the best trailer at least, for Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. We are going to be talking about something from the Spider-Man Miles Morales game that we're finally getting cleared up. We're going to look at the first trailer for the next Frank Miller. I didn't think I'd be saying this in my career time. <laughs> but the next Frank Miller production, which is coming to Netflix. Plus a haunting little uh, Candyman trailer that we're going to talk about. And we're clearing up something from the good old DCEU. Looking at something new coming from Marvel Comics. Plus, in our only deep dive today, Megan is going to break down some of the crazier stuff that has been happening on the manga front it is real over in manga right now so she's going to tell you about all of that so let's get started because we got a lot to do starting right at the top we got our first trailer for the snyder cut of justice league today I, it was the first right like i mean there was the announcement trailer i think mm -hmm. like saying hey it's gonna happen but this was like the first actual like scene fully snyderized thing snyderized we've gotten, yeah yes. thing we've gotten <laughs> since the original justice league trailer remember that or teaser trailer so, and it, it was pretty epic. I mean, if the goal was to get people excited that this is a thing worth seeing, this is a different sort of movie, uh, this is not just a, a kind of recut of the same Justice League we got in theaters, this is something distinctly different. They went big by just pulling out the two biggest things arguably this franchise has going for it right now, Gal Gadot and <laughs> Darkseid. Um, so yeah. And so this was kind of a teaser that made sense. And I liked it because it also kind of fits. It's a perfect example of how Snyder's entire vision is really cohesive and kind of fits together because it was a very nice callback to Batman and Superman's subplot with Gal Gadot. So Wonder Woman, which was more than just the whole, hi, I'm Doomsday. I'm going to help you kill Doomsday thing, which was her recovering artifacts and looking for this picture. But her knowledge as a kind of, as a historian and a museum worker and all that side of her life, there is a kind of investigative thing that she does to help figure out like what is going on with these mother boxes and like, what is this all building up to? And we got this really ominous tease where she finds this ancient cave art that shows dark side and the kind of unified mother box Trinity and all the bad things that are going to happen in this. And the tone of it was immediately different. This is a very different justice league movie. It's very dark. It was very ominous. The, the visuals are a lot better. I mean, like, I've argued that if nothing else, Zack Snyder is a very good visual director, and this scene kind of demonstrated why. So I, even, I saw some people still trolling on Twitter because, you know, internet's going to internet, and, you know, people saying things like, oh, this doesn't matter. Like, this dark side is just another CGI swap out for Steppenwolf. Like, none of this is going to matter, but... To me, it felt like it was a different kind of Justice League movie. How did you guys feel? Uh, well, I don't um, like for one, just going into the teaser, and it was cool to finally see Dark Side for the briefest portions, like brought to life, so to speak. Like it was cool to see like the armies behind him. We'd seen that image on Vero and like black and white previously, and some other things. It was cool to see that that moment, and I love that they utilize the whole Diana like being a historian and, and being around for so many years before Batman and Superman were and so you're you're leaning into that and like the lore of Themyscira and all this stuff that is you're able to do with Wonder Woman so that was really cool um I don't know about the like it's it's really hard to see like up close because like Darkseid's kind of standing kind of far away um 
so like the overall design looks cool. I, I'm really curious to see like when we actually get a close up and we see like the face, the, the painting thing is cool. Uh, I did notice some people were like, oh, it's like a smile. It's smiling like the way the design mm -hmm. is. It's like a smiling antenna ball, which is kind of funny. Uh, but overall, I agree. I like the, the flavor of this little sequence. I think more of that is cool. I, I like that. Um, I'm not ready to make a judgment based on no, no, like, based on a very small crazy. clip. Yeah, yeah let's, let's <laughs> but, just put it out there. This is one small clip in the Yeah. You don't know. This could be the best thing in this entire time. <laughs> but, like, but that I'm, little thing I'm not is saying cool. that. You know me. Yeah. I am a Snyderverse fan, so I'm believing it more than that. But no, I'm not going to go too crazy yet. Being like, see, see, we told you. Like, not yet. This but is that little scene. thing yeah. is cool. The yeah. little thing is awesome. Yeah. Charlie. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, like, I mean, I, I know I acted weird just now, but I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. Like, it... The Justice League side of things gonna happen, so bring it on. Like I, you know, I didn't need it, but it's here, so I'm gonna watch it. And that footage looked pretty cool. It, it looked kind of very Snydery, like super ominous and intense. Which I mean, that's neat because uh, Justice League <laughs> wasn't that. It was a mix of that and some weird, fun Whedon stuff. So at least it's this seems to be picking a direction. So I mean, it it looks neat. Like I said, like I said, I don't. I'm not looking too far into how apocalypse looks or like it. But it looks. I mean, Zack Snyder shoots stuff well, and it looks pretty. So whenever it comes out, I'm gonna sit and watch it. I don't. No, I don't need to, anything to tell me anything about it at this point. Like it. So when it comes out, can we have Charlie's tagline like in the review quote? Like it's neat. Like that. I feel it's like neat. that should be like it's the thing that pops up on. I'm the gonna posting. watch it. It's I'm neat. gonna watch it. <laughs> I love it. I, just I mean, like if, if for it. no other reason than like, how can you not watch it after all this crap? Oh, like, that wasn't a doubt. I agree with yeah. you. Just, I'm just saying, I'm just yeah, gonna yeah, watch yeah. it. It was just the way you expressed it. it was and because I don't have to pay for it. If I had to like go to a theater and pay money and like take time, I'd like it would be. A, I'd think about it. I'd probably still go see it, but I'd think about it. No, but it's man. like, oh, it's streaming. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I'm in. I Megan. just sat and watched Artemis Fowl. I can do this. Ugh. It's fine. Well, see, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Megan, what'd you think? I'm kind of like in between like Charlie and Matt's opinion here. I thought like the focus on Gal Gadot was a very smart choice because she's fundamentally the most stable part of the DCEU at this point. I know we got, you know, information about Henry Cavill coming back, but like still she's like the, the person you would look to. Um, I thought that it was just really nice to have like a specific tone set for Justice League because the entire time when the theatrical cut was getting teased and trailers, it just never felt like it knew what it was doing. Now it feels like it knows what it's doing, whether that's for better or for worse. Um, I think it's great to kind of see the total like cohesiveness of the Snyder, you know, verse of what he's doing here. Um, but mainly I've just been enjoying the memes of the, of the dark side, the dark seed painting, because everyone's been like, it kind of looks like that, like corrected painting that somebody did in like, you know, South America or Latin America, where it was like, somebody literally came in with like drugstore paint, <laughs> and like fixed it. I just really like all those memes I've been saying. So I, I, I will definitely be watching it. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than Charlie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's gonna I, happen. I just like how the end scene is like the ship's going up and it's dark side instead of Steppenwolf, and you're like, "Wow, this is so much better." <laughs> yeah, it's gonna suck because that's gonna be where the movie ends, and you never get to find out what happens. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see part one of a movie that won't have a sequel. Yes, well, we already talked about this, Charlie, and this is what the people <laughs> wanted. Still, I, I, I I'm still like I said, I'm gonna watch it. I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. it'll set up it's fan films, fan fiction, fan art. Yeah, no. it'll inspire. Maybe we'll get it. Like I said, I hopefully will get it in some other form. I take it as a comic or a graphic novel, like a DC prestige thing, like just finish it and like the other two parts. That'd be cool. All right, moving right along. So we were having this debate about Spider-Man, Miles Morales, a new game that's going to be one of the PS5 launch titles and um, kind of Insomniac Games, Marvel, Sony. They did a good job launching the visuals and getting people hyped for this but they kind of didn't stick the landing of the details about the game and what this actually is. And is this a whole new game? Is it a continuation of the Spider-Man game that was 
popular in twenty in the twenty eighteen kind of Spider Man game? Um, was this just kind of a side quest story? Like, what was it? So, first we got the broad strokes that it was a standalone game, and we still were kind of talking in last show with uh, our games editor Rollin about what that meant. Is it just kind of one of those in between games that's not like a twenty dollar tiny game, not like a full sixty, you know, kind of one of those forty dollar in the middle games that's only about you know ten to twenty hours of content. And since then, Sony is kind of trying to get it on the good foot and get out in front of this and Insomniac and clarify things for people. And again, you got to read because they always do this in like these slick ways that seems like they're doing stuff without having to actually directly answer the questions. But basically what we learned is that, you know, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head. This will probably be something bigger than a side quest, something smaller than a full game but it's set a year after the event of Marvel Spider-Man, uh, after which ended with the setup of Miles Morales getting his powers. So, so, you know, presumably this is a year later where Peter has trained him and Miles is operating on his own. And we learn that it's going to be basically about a rage in Harlem, a showdown between a power company and a criminal gang, and Miles is kind of caught in the middle, and now he lives in Harlem, and he's kind of trying to defend the neighborhood. So that's the gist of it. And basically that sounded like, yeah, they, and they also kind of touted what they're doing. You know, they upgraded the characters with 4D scans, more skin shading and realistic and all that stuff. And the cities in the kind of the, the build of the city of New York city will be more detailed and stuff like that. So basically this is what we just said, right? So it's an up res kind of standalone, which means like $40 kind of halfway or three quarters game. Right. Yeah, you get about ten or twenty. I mean, they they made the perfect comparison. I mean, we we talked about this last show, right? Of like, kind of like here's here's how it would probably lay out just because of the time frame and the development cycle. And Uncharted Lost Legacy is exactly what it's probably going to be. Which, by the way, that game is phenomenal. But that game started out as an expansion for Uncharted Four, got so big that they thought it was kind of its own little thing and didn't just want to make it DLC. So then they made it about an eight to 10 hour experience and released it as its own thing at $39.99. That is what Miles Morales, I mean, the, they say Lost Legacy when they're comparing. They're like, that's the best comparison. So like, I would say this one, because I feel like they need to go a little further than 10, like maybe that 12 hour mark, just because it's going to be well, so heavily hyped. He didn't they say it's about, it's about half the length of the first one? No. Which, I, 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 maybe I read that in somewhere and I was wrong, but I thought it was about half the length of the first of the original Spider-Man, which the original Spider-Man was a massive game. So even that, like a half, of, half of that around that ballpark still feels like a really big game, still feels like a full experience. And Yeah, you know, but I have not heard that the, it was going to be half of that because, I mean, Spider-Man was what, a 60-hour game? Yeah, something, something like that. that. Our game. Uh, they started development on this when development on Spider-Man PS4 concluded. So I don't think, and they also have a team working on obviously Spider-Man Two, Peter Parker's yeah. next thing, right? So no, I, I don't think like they can. Half, yeah, this is a half step. It just, yeah. it just feels. Yeah, like, well, I was gonna say it's, it's yeah. a it's a half. It's exactly a half step. And what I do think they can do though, which we didn't get a lot of, with, you know, Uncharted Lost Legacy was a spinoff of a great franchise that people loved in Uncharted, but Miles Morales is going to be so much bigger than that because of the popularity of the character, the popularity of the franchise, you know, the popularity of that first Spider-Man game. I think they have room to add DLC expansions just to the single game and make it even bigger, you know, as they, they go can. along. Yeah, and that's, all, and that's an absolute possibility. And like, yeah, especially for the PS5 while we're all waiting for Spider-Man 2. Like, I mean, that's a good way just to kind of keep that train riding. Is and, and what like, I like is if, the if they are gonna sell it then, cheaper, you know, that's a great like bundle launch thing where you mm -hmm. can bund like you can put in Spider-Man with a PS5. If they know, don't have a Spider-Man bundle, for oh, them, they have they will, to. They will miss out on so much money. It's they, almost guaranteed. They will yeah. have to. They yeah. have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, as what? we started, like when the price war between Xbox One and or Xbox whatever it is called in Series One or whatever. What is this thing called even? Series uh, X. Xbox Series X. Yeah, I don't care. Anyway, moving right along. That's the proper reaction. Yeah, when the price war between that and the thing I'm going to buy begins, like, yeah, these bundles are going to come back. Like, yeah, the bundles yeah. will be coming out. Someone was shocked in the, in the game chat, and I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Mark, of like, man, the console wars are still a thing. I was like, dude, 
Those will never yeah. go away. I still okay. rep Sega Genesis for life. <laughs> like, Nintendo. That will never die, man. Will Nintendo, ne- 90s, baby. <laughs> N64. It's the one thing Kofi and I like vehemently agree on. N64 is the best. Oh, no. N64 is one of the worst, but I rep it anyway. No, it's the best. Oh, no. no that's GameCube. GameCube it's is the best. The best. Oh, yeah, GameCube was really, really Dreamcast! Stop it. Go home. We just need to, like... Dreamcast! Go home. Take your bad opinions elsewhere. I'll just be your Banjo-Kazooie. Y'all can do whatever you need to do. We're just melting down. We got to keep on the time track. So let's keep going. We also heard that Cyberpunk 2077 uh, is late again. I think we already mentioned that. So, boo. That was, like, the other big game besides Last of Us that we are all really looking forward to. The one with Keanu Reeves, no less, so... Yeah, but did you see that sweet gameplay they released of the like someone they were in a car chase and like of course it's first person so you're out like hanging outside of the driver's side of your car while you're driving shooting at this van in front of you with like stuff coming out of it and a person shooting back at you and it's this whole like cinematic style chase and people are like the the delay hurts more but like I was kind of telling Charlie before the show like CD Projekt Red is kind of they're not blizzard to the point of like where blizzard just says diablo will be out whenever we feel like it and we're just going to work on it for nine years and it's okay we're going to release it cd project red is not as bad but it is very much like we could see another delay like they'll it when it's done it'll be done so i don't know i mean this this feels like the um i can't remember the the norman fetus game um oh Oh, death Death stranding Stranding? yeah this is gonna be good so. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we're just going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep tweaking and keep doing stuff and keep doing stuff. It's like, you're going to ruin it. Just just stop. I, I love Kojima, but the USPS simulator is not for me. Please say thank you. Wow. That's an excellent comparison. USPS. <laughs> wow. USPS. Let me a second. Yo, that is maximum shade right there. All right. Moving right along. We're going to go from uh, gaming and talking about that. Over to the first trailer for Frank Miller's Cursed, which is coming to Netflix. Yeah! So, Frank Miller, the uh, mind behind The Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, whole bunch Sin City, 300, you know, yeah. It's interesting because he tried his hand at Hollywood at the 2000s, and, you know, they made Sin City, and that was a success. So then everybody thought that he was going to be, like, this genius in Hollywood kind of you know cash cow and then they made the specter and if you ever go back and watch promotionals for the specter it's ridiculous everybody's kissing frank miller's ass they keep calling him Eva mendes refers to him throughout the whole thing as the genius frank miller and all this stuff and so that came out and it was terrible sin city 2 kind of got terrible and then frank miller just started being frank miller and people were like "Uh oh maybe this guy isn't like the greatest thing in hollywood ever so he's been on kind of a low burn since then Wait, I mean, the, the specter yeah the spirit uh, the, the spirit the spirit oh yeah, yeah i was i was wondering like, is it the same thing we're talking about that's one of the only movies i've ever walked out of the spirit <laughs> in the middle yeah. of it yeah it's one of the only ones yeah as well you should have uh so like basically yeah the spirit sorry um yeah so frank miller hasn't been that hot a commodity in hollywood since but here we go again we're gonna do this show called cursed and we got the first trailer and I think, uh, Charlie, you kind of put it in perspective, saying this looks like a worthy successor to The Witcher. And I would agree with that. I mean, this is very much some kind of The Witcher vibes. And, um, yeah, it's based on the best-selling books, uh, you know, the Curse series. And it's about a, a girl who inherits a mystical sword based on this teaser. That's about all I know about it. I, I've never jumped into so this series. So um, it's basically, do you, do you read King Arthur stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very, it's really Arthurian, which I, I like that stuff a lot. And so this is about, um, I can't remember her name. I'm blanking right now. But the the, the, the woman in the water and, uh, you know, King oh, Arthur. the lady in the lake? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, lady in the lake, The sorry. woman in the water. <laughs> that's, that's, who, that's who this character is, essentially. M. Night Shyamalan. But, but she ends up with Excalibur. <laughs> it's like a version of the, of the story where she meets ah, Excalibur and stuff. And, ah. um, Arthur's a part of the story. Merlin's a part of the story. So. I mean, any of that kind of stuff, I like. I think is usually pretty fun. I mean, I, the Charlie Hunnam King Arthur movie was not great, but I still enjoyed it. I, I love that. And I, I don't like, love is a strong word. Um, but I very much like that movie. You know, uh, the kid who would be king last year was really, really slept on. 
um, is a really good film. And this, I mean, that was awesome. I, I, that I will admit I've seen a little bit of Cursed and I can't talk about its quality, um, whether it is good or bad, but uh, it definitely feels like what people are wanting after The Witcher came out. And from like a business perspective for Netflix, like this show is going to absolutely crush because there's nothing else happening right now. It's a fantasy thing, which apparently everyone, like The Witcher proved, I mean, Witcher had a bigger built-in audience, but it proved that people want to see fantasy stuff. Um, and then like, when I watch like what people are watching on Netflix, like I check the top 10 every day, anything that comes on Netflix, it's a new original, always has steam behind it. And then when you put someone like Aaron Langford in front, who, leads, who at least the first season of, she was the face of 13 Reasons Why, which has a giant audience on Netflix, and I don't really understand, but they love her. So when you kind of put all that together, like this is, this show's going to dominate the news cycle for probably a couple of weeks when it comes out. Like it'll have, it has two weeks from when that comes out to when Umbrella Academy season two comes out. And now, it'll be the only thing we talk about. In this has time. been in development for a while. I mean, right? Like this has been. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I have the book. I don't, I don't actually, I haven't read it yet, but I have the book uh, somewhere. And evidently that has a really like passionate audience. I liked the trailer. I mean, I thought the trailer was pretty good as, as someone like Charlie who will essentially give anything King Arthur a chance. I will watch anything King Arthur. It, it might suck and I'll yeah. probably like it a little more than everybody else just cause like it's King Arthur. But um, this looked, this looked interesting. I like the, like the music and the tone and stuff. It was, it's it's kind of cool. I, I eat that stuff up. We'll it's see kinda, if um, it's kind of cool to stylize. I mean, now that I, actually know more I, and i didn't actually i knew about this project but i didn't remember that this was a title of it so i remember there was a lady in lake i also like king arthur i mean it was cool with the passing of excalibur and that whole kind of mm -hmm. thing. and kofi you saw who's who's uh, one of the stars of it uh yes, uh, yes i did <laughs> daniel Sharman. oh yes i did see from that. uh from like the one of the best things that ever happened to the walking dead franchise no, I did see that. What I would like for if Netflix is all in on like doing King Arthur adaptations, um, they Netflix is the one that signed uh, a deal with Boom Studios, correct? Then they weren't they the ones that signed the live action like uh, Boom Studios is doing a bunch of live action adaptations of their books, and I thought it was I Netflix. Think? I think it was them. Yeah, if that's the is. case, and you like King Arthur. Please, for the love of Lord, someone adapt Once in Future because Once in Future is just like a King mm -hmm. Arthur on top of its head, and it's yeah, it, it was it was Boom Studios with yeah. Netflix. Okay, so if that's I the case, if they, if they announced which which things were going to happen, because yeah, yeah, Once, Once in Future is one of them. Yeah, okay, says, so Lumberjanes, something is killing the children. Once in Future and Mouse Guard are the like uh, they're the exi right? they're the yeah. examples they used for but, the things that Boom Studios owns. But What's so, the Future is one of their best-selling yeah. books like over the last couple years. And it's mm -hmm. that is King Arthur reimagined. And like, if they can do this with Frank Miller's stuff, yeah. I would love to see what they can do with that. So that I'm 900% down for Netflix becoming the new home of like the Arthurian multiverse. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. Like, the problem I, is I that, mean, like, not really. I, that's going to wind up being weird, but like, I'm that problem. person. Right. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Part of me doesn't yeah. want to be the guy, but also I like being that guy, so I'm just going to do it. Netflix is really great at giving shows and movies, you know, giving creators freedom to make cool stuff. You know, like bankrolling Martin Scorsese to do whatever he wanted with the Irishman, you know, putting the money behind Spike Lee to make the Five Bloods. Like, they you know, resurrecting lock and key. Netflix has a problem with shows like this, making them look not cheap. It, you know, they all, so many of them look cheap. The Witcher has some really great moments where it doesn't, but also a lot of moments where it, it really say, be does. Be careful, Charlie, be careful. And lock and key, especially <laughs> lock and key looks like it had no effects budget behind it whatsoever. And if you're going to do this Arthur stuff, like that's cool but like how much money are you willing to put behind it? Because you have to make it look good to be interesting. Well, you know, I mean, like look at what Amazon's doing with the Lord of the Rings. I don't know how much money they're putting behind Lord of the Rings. Look at what, what HBO put behind Game of Thrones. Like you need to have those giant sets and those giant yeah, budgets yeah. to do this right. So it's a little Netflix unfair like, to compare Net Netflix to Amazon. That's like Bezos it, money. It, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying Netflix doesn't put the budgets behind stuff to get these but big grand sets. They try to make them matter. look big in little spaces. 
Like, and it doesn't work. But, yeah, the Game of Thrones put a lot of money behind his last season, and people hate that. Netflix didn't put as much behind The Witcher, and people love that. So, like, I mean, people were mixed on Witcher, so let's just remember uh, that. But I, I, look, oh, well. I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking but trash. Like I'm just saying it was on Witcher. <laughs> it has like fifty something or sixty. Look, we're not going to get into this. It's mixed. We're going to take a break, but uh, I mean, that's what Charlie's warning is. He wants these Arthurian, uh, Arthurian legend stuff to that's look really hard to high say. budget. Yes, it is. So <laughs> that's what he wants. But we're going to keep an eye on it and let you know what's going on with Curse. We got to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue breaking down some uh, new stories and some trailers. Plus, we're going to get into what is going on on the manga front because it is crazy. So stay tuned for all of that. Right, moving along from the unexpected grenade of Frank Miller's curse <laughs> to another kind of uh, trailer we just got. Uh, Nia DaCosta is making a new Candyman movie, which is kind of called, it's called Candyman, but it's really kind of a long awaited, it's kind of a direct it's a, con- sequel. a continuation of the story. We just call them direct sequels now. They're, they're basically reboots that just take, that are so far away from the original story that they're basically like new starts. But Candyman Afterlife. Sequels. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a direct sequel uh, to the first Candyman. Because, yeah, oh, that's why they're called direct sequels. Because we pick and choose what we're actually sequeling. So not the whole thing, just like the first film, not that other crap. Um, so a direct sequel to the first Candyman uh, starring Yaya Abdul-Martin. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about the twist being that he's like Candyman's son and stuff like that or kind of related in, like that. But uh, Nia DaCosta was obviously going to do a deeper film to this because it's about Chicago and it's about gentrification. A lot of the first Candyman was about that, had a lot of socioeconomic and racial kind of themes to it. Uh, But it looks like we're going to go really deep in this one because she released this very haunting teaser, which is basically like a prologue. And it uses kind of, I thought people are saying puppets, but I thought it was CGI, like made to look like puppets. I'm not. It was it was it was paper cutouts. So you can yeah, you can see the hands. Yeah, I just thought it was like I thought it was like a Nightmare on Elm Street, or uh, I thought it was just all CGI made to recreate that. But anyway, however they did it, it looked amazing. It was paper awesome. cutouts and and things, and it was basically it, it went through a mix of Candyman's kind of horrific origin and story, and real life, you know, kind of killings of black people that have really happened, and kind of confl- like mix these two together to kind of turn Candyman essentially into a metaphor for almost like the boogeyman of Black Lives Matter, <laughs> like coming back and, and being this kind of manifestation of the rage of this violence and this injustice and stuff like that. And kind of being this method of just, or I don't know if it's glorifying Candyman, but saying like, this is, this is a metaphor for what, how ugly and, and, you know, crazy and dangerous this, this rage and all this, brutalization has created so i thought it was a damn good prologue and one of the better teasers i've seen in a while um yeah unfortunately i had to write the article so i had to leave it on repeat a lot while it was on twitter and i don't know if that was good for me but uh <laughs> as i wrote in the article i mean the timing of this is now good Candyman arrives in september and now a teaser like this kind of does a good job of maybe rallying both you know a lot of the social stuff that's going on and people's need to get back to the movie theater by september and turning this into getting people into the theater, not just to see a movie, but like as a form of their own, I don't know, calling it protest, but you know, they want to put their money behind a movie like this. So uh, that's what was my two cents on Candyman. What did you guys think? Matt, let's stay with you because you're a horror expert. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I am. Uh, as someone who is, uh, is not uh, a big horror person, I will say that this trailer or teaser or you know, little vignette. I don't know what to really call it, but like this, this got me more excited for this movie than anything else has before. I mean, I'm not really the biggest Candyman person. I don't really know the history and things like that and involved with it. And this was like I couldn't take my eyes off this like the whole time. Now the animated, uh, the animation style has a lot to do with that. It's so unique and kind of like it makes you feel uncomfortable. Like it's just very much throughout that, throughout the time. And then like the narration and stuff, it's just so well done. And it, I don't like, when I looked at Candyman, I was just like, oh, it's a dude killing people with a 
<laughs> with a hook or a sickle. Like you can swap out the weapon, right? It's just another slasher movie. And this kind of brings those other points of it to life that I would not have assumed. So I, I, this actually got me excited. Like I would actually check out that movie now, but where before I probably would never watch it. It's just not my genre for the most part, but this was interesting. I, I dug it. I will, I will start by saying Matt. Yes. Candyman's on Netflix. Please go watch it. I, the I original. It's uh, so good. It's so good. Uh, and I, will, I think you know it, puts, it puts a. I will watch it. Good. I'm proud of you. It, this 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 little teaser thing puts a lot of that story in perspective, and like Kofi said, it really meshes it with the 21st century, or that was the 20th century, but it, it meshes it with today. Yeah. And and it does a really really good job of of reminding people that it's going to be the same type of horror film. Um, but I think this has the opportunity to be way scarier. I mean, like, I just, I was lost for words when I saw it the first time. Like, it's such a gorgeous piece. It's, what, two and a half minutes long, but it is just insanely wonderful to look at. Um, and, you know, Nia DaCosta hasn't done a lot yet, but she's really proven herself. Little Woods is fantastic. I think that's on Hulu uh, with Tessa Thompson. Um, and you know, obviously Jordan Peele's producing any co, I think he co-wrote the script, right? Um, I believe so, yeah. He knows his stuff and the fact that like he chose Nia DaCosta, he brought her in to direct this for a reason. And when you watch Little Woods, like it shows that she really, really has some awesome stylistic vision. And I think this has the potential to just absolutely be killer and especially I mean, Yaya Abdul-Mateen everything he's in he's been fantastic to this point I mean the get down Watchmen you know I didn't love Aquaman but I, I loved him in Aquaman um you know I, I think he's really he was great in us um this this is just shaping up to be really something special Megan did you have thoughts I mean my thoughts closely echo bats I am more so than even he is not a horror connoisseur so like, I don't know anything about Candyman, but I did see this this teaser, mainly because I saw, like, the animation style of it. I was, like, an animation kind of guru fan of, like, stuff like that. It is a very upsetting trailer, like, just watching it. Like, you get, like, a very visceral, like, upsetness to you, uh, which if they're able to do that in a two-and-a-half-minute clip, then... I can only expect good things to be coming from a full length feature. So I might have to like, <laughs> I don't know, just, just like get really brave and watch the movie. We'll so do a I know it's a watch do. party. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you set it up, Matt, Socially distanced Candyman watch party. Oh, yeah, party. me and a bunch of a bunch of friends a couple weeks ago wanted to have like a like a midnight movie on a Friday night, and there's a there's a program called Scener. Like a like a movie like S C E N E R, um, and it's mm -hmm. like an extension for Chrome, uh, mm -hmm. and it's like Netflix Party, but it incorporates video into it. So like one oh. person's the host, and when they hit Netflix, everyone else's Netflix is turn on. Netflix turns on to that, and then you have your video up like beside the Netflix, and like you can watch something together. And it's like we all watched Candyman uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, if you're scared, maybe that's a great idea to watch with some friends. I was going to say, I'm going to watch it with like all the lights on. Oh, the I have day. to watch it at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon, all yeah. the lights on. My An afternoon quarantine watch party. None of this night junk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's be I see you, Matt. I hear you, Matt. We're going to make it happen. Oh, boy. All right. So we're going to keep our eye on Candyman because this was a pretty good trailer. And uh, yeah, now it makes me more interested in the movie. Uh, we're also going to move on to the DC side of things and talk about uh, something that was clarified recently. So in the DCEU and specifically the Snyderverse run, there's been one lingering mystery, which is Batman v Superman. We saw a kind of Batman's, you know, I don't want to say Hall of Fame, but his kind of trophy cases. One of them was a Robin costume that was covered in Joker graffiti. And there was always this kind of insinuation that this Batman and uh, Ben Affleck's Batman and Jared Leto's Joker had this much more violent, dark history between them, that in this continuity, there was a dead Robin and Batman had kind of flipped out about this and beaten Joker so bad he beat his teeth out. And like, that's why he had the silver teeth and all this stuff. And 
you know, there was always kind of speculation like, oh, you know, which Robin is this? What are they doing? Is this the death in the family lore? Is this Jason Todd? And we've had, I feel like, a million and four, like, kind of fake start stops about so-and-so confirmed it's this, so-and-so confirmed it's that. But in the latest one, we got a kind of a confirm from Suicide uh, Squad director David, David Ayer. Ayer, who said, uh, yeah, I was just pulling up the thing, um, who basically said that, yeah, Jared Leto's Joker actually killed Dick Grayson, and that in this DCEU continuity, it's Dick Grayson who was dead, which was interesting things, because I feel like during all this, there was a Nightwing movie we were talking about. Yes, and- there was. And so stuff that like goes that. to show <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and like, yeah cause we all thought it would be Jason Todd and there would be like a Red Hood movie and that'd be really cool so with a Red Hood with uh, <laughs> wasn't Chris McKagan in that movie too <sighs> yeah it was like so yeah so now but now there's so many good movie. movies that were supposed to happen in this thing yeah and now we got it mm-hmm. but, but here's the thing about that because he says that was Zach's original intent yeah. So and he proves uh, it. I mean, he posted David Ayer. That was what was confusing me. And I was just was looking at it for a quick second. So David Ayer is not taking heat on this one. He's like, look, this was Zack Snyder's original intent, and he put up proof from uh, I think Zack Snyder's theme of what is that Vero 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 yeah. or whatever you call it. Yeah, where he basically told a fan <laughs> and like, yeah, that no, it wasn't Jason Todd. Yes, it's Dick Grayson, and that his Justice League will kind of speak back to that and what effect that had on Batman a little bit more than you know we saw but, so like here's my question then so when we first heard and i would have to go back and like look at like dates and figure all this out but like i would be curious to go see when the nightwing movie was announced because was it announced before justice league fell apart and got released or was it been announced after because if it was announced after i get like right oh up. Wipe the slate clean. Let's do. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters anyway. So let's just go with Dick Grayson Nightway. If it was announced before, and they knew that he was, that was Dick Grayson, then it just speaks to like the sheer like. Was anyone paying attention <laughs> at Warner Brothers when all this stuff was coming together? Because otherwise, how do you greenlight a movie where the lead dude is is already dead in the universe that makes no sense yeah to me, i mean okay. i i don't understand that either it seemed like it's a really thing to, easy thing to say hey because we all i mean there were so many theories about this robin thing in when ben affleck's batman came around it matt it came during the fallout of justice <laughs> so this this, this hollywood reporter article uh <laughs> warner brothers plotting live action nightly movie with lego batman movie director chris mckay was published on February 23rd, 2017, which would have been around the time, because wasn't that what happened? It was the Joss Whedon news and a bunch of other stuff yeah. happened all at one time. Um, I mean, so, look yeah. and see when that was, but yeah, it was so right way to time. have way to have the stuff together. <laughs> that's like, that's so yeah, crazy. I mean, it seems like it's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. All you gotta <laughs> say is Jason Todd. And because that was a theory, like there was indications that you know, Ben Affleck's Batman had become so kind of like dark and militant that he had been estranged from the Bat family. And it was that the breaking point was Jason Todd. Uh, that's what sent Bruce back onto his kind of solo, crazy darkness that, yeah, Jason's death and that he had been estranged from Dick Grayson because there was all the Adam Driver rumors. Like there was all this crazy stuff that we thought might happen that would reveal that, you know, would see kind of Dick Grayson and going at Ben Affleck's Batman and, and being at odds and Batgirl thrown in the mix. And so, yeah, wow. We've been through like 15 different DC movie <laughs> Just like So I was a little bit wrong. The Whedon replacing Snyder, or Snyder stepping down from Justice League came in May. Yeah. Which is crazy then the movie came out in November. But mm-hmm. um, that's when that happened. So it was in that February time when Justice League had already shot that so yeah so, reshoots that all this stuff was going down okay yeah, yeah so it was already in the- that feels like 70 years ago yeah it does. <laughs> like when you Even just said like the pandemic it was like that it was so long ago uh, yeah i know I mean, and like you just said that and i was like that was probably about 13 years ago that's how it feels <laughs> what's what's crazy about this is that i love the actual story like the beats there of mm-hmm. joker I, when that first came out of like this older Batman and like he's kind of, 
you know, he's not optimistic anymore. And he was already not optimistic as a character anyway, but like here he's like completely like devolved into this just person of the night and Robin died. So like he beat Joker, like all that stuff connected to like Joker's teeth. And like, that's why they hated you. was awesome. I loved all that. And when I, when I heard it for the first time and then, but it always made sense that it would be Todd because like Kofi said, you could bring in the older Barbara and Dick and, you know, even if you wanted to Drake, I guess, but like you could bring in some of those other people after he's kind of come around because of Superman. Like you have this whole thing that builds out that way. If you kill Grayson, you like stunt all of it. Like you can't get to certain places without just like completely replacing it. And like everyone, there's followers of Todd, Drake, and now Damien, but there's not near the followers that Grayson has. Grayson is the original Robin. He is Nightwing. Like there's not been 10 different Nightwings. There's one. <laughs> so it, that's just a really baffling decision to me. But hey, you, know. you, you made a really good point there, Matt, that it's it rare. sounded really good on paper. <laughs> yeah. And that applies to so much of this. Like a club owning like turd of a joker, just like that you just can't stand is such a good idea right now. Like he's such a tool and that's great. And you know the idea I'm of not, I'm still not BBS. sure you're clear to talk about Joker anything on this show. Oh God, no! Don't start. <laughs> don't. don't we don't clear. need. Another. I have so many thoughts about Joker right now that I, we could spend a whole podcast talking. We don't about, need another. We're game. not going to. I'm no. not diving into them. I'm just saying that I have them. <laughs> um, but you know, like, like on paper, they're great ideas. On paper, BVS was a cool idea. You just leave Batman at home and just let Bruce Wayne be Bruce Wayne and don't actually pull out Batman. I think that. Man of Steel 2, Dawn of Justice works a lot better. But yeah, on paper, there was really cool stuff happening throughout that so, whole franchise. We're going to move on from Charlie's crazy ideas about DC movies to uh, Marvel's latest trailer for It's like Empire. the tip of the iceberg. You don't even know. Marvel's latest trailer for Empire, which is their big kind of upcoming summer event, which takes a lot of the stuff from the Kree Skull War, Scroll Wars of uh, classic Marvel storylines and some of the newer stuff like Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, and Young Avengers storylines um, and kind of brings it all together in one big event, which sees Hulkling or Warlord Hulkling, they rather, uniting both the Kree and the Skull Empire in this thing called the Alliance. And one of the key factors of this alliance is both of these races deciding that, hey, you know, our main shared problem in all this is Earth and these heroes, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four who have meddled in our kind of, in our, you know, the course of our races and, you know, not for the betterment of us always. And so they come to earth looking for a bone with a bone to pick and there's gonna, and it's gonna be a lot that kind of that kicks off. So we got the latest trailer for Empire, which is one of these uh, Marvel kind of like, they do a motion comic type of trailer. And uh, yeah, I mean, this got me kind of interested in this. This was, was a pretty epic one and it looked, uh, it looked pretty good, and I'm kind of Empire's growing on me. Also, yeah. because in the absence of large, in the large absence of a summer movie season, this will be kind of a, a good event to kind of dive into. So, well, I hope you want to dive in because it is so much. Have you oh, seen I the saw. checklist? <laughs> yeah, dude, I saw the checklist. It's huge. This and like sword, uh, like ten of swords or swords of ten or whatever oh, the hell yeah, that, that one too. event is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 20. This is like what? How many book like chapters? This is so this is I think the core one is like 10 or 12, but then there's so many spin Tines. series. Yeah, there's an and, entire X-Men wing of this story. Yeah, like, like it's yeah. so big. Now the coolest part of this trailer is that we get another look at the new accusers who Oh yeah. The accusers look so sweet. Carol and Spider-Woman and and Hazmat and Rhodey all in like with their hammers and their gear. Oh my God, it looks so cool. I, I think one this is- One of these days. One of these days. One of these days, comic book people are gonna stop putting Ys for eyes to make things seem edgy and it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> one day, one so, day. So here's, I think it's really smart what they're doing with this only because the scrolls and the Kree are so embedded in so many different pockets of the Marvel universe. And, and especially over the last like, oh geez, eight years, uh, they'll have pockets, right? Like Secret Invasion was, yes, putting the scrolls in the spotlight. And uh, the Kree, of course, like when Captain Marvel came out, they kind of put more of an emphasis on the Kree, but they get largely like they're here for a month and then they get pushed to the side or they get here for an event and they get pushed to the side. I think this is a really smart way if they play it right to make them important 
like moving forward. Like the fact that they're going to unite because they're sworn enemies under a new king, which makes Hulkling important. And you lift him up to a new tier and set him off for a bunch of stories. And because it's Hulkling, Wiccan and the Young Avengers, you can use like, there's so many things that can spiral off of this and that can have real lasting ripple effects. I think it's really smart if they do it right. Al Ewing is writing this, I believe, correct? I believe yeah. he is the one writing this. Um, so, I mean, it's in good hands. And I think if they play, as long as they just rein in some of the tie-ins, like it, it already feels like it's too much and it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> well, the thing is, and the thing that I'm kind of theorizing here is that the tie-ins actually do feel like they're going to maybe be, be important because there's some big things that are also happening in this. Like uh, there, there are things that are happening that affect the modern Marvel universe in weird ways. For the first time, we're kind of seeing like a big event. Like how does Krakoa factor into this when, I mean, yeah. when that was one of the big things they teased is how does X-Men and House of X and Krakoa factor this? Because they're like, yo, we're not with them. Like yeah. we are not them anymore. Like we should be to get like, we should be cool. Like, yeah we're all people that have been kind of screwed over by this. And so like, how do they factor in? There's an entire storyline about something about black Panther is going to be kind of really in peril in all this. And I feel like it's going to be a major spin out. And like, yeah, so there seems to be what this does that I like is like I said, it's kind of a mix of the old it's for like a lot of fans. Like if you were a fan of the classic Kree skull scroll kind of wars and storylines secret up until like secret invasion and all that, there's a lot that, that that's here for that. But if you're like somebody who came in the 2000s in a newer age and you grew up like reading like Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, you know, you read Young Avengers and were really into that, like there's going to be a lot of that. And if you're just getting into like the new age of like Fantastic Four and Avengers and or if you're just an old fan, like there's a lot from both sides of that, too. So, I mean, it seems like there's going to be enough for everybody here. Um and yeah, they keep dropping little teasers that puns that are annoying me. I mean, first of all, Empire, like, of course, it seems like something's going to burn. Something's got to burn. And they keep saying things like it's going to be earth shattering. And it feels like I feel like the earth is actually going to get shattered. So they also every it feels like every Marvel event, someone betrays the heroes. It's yeah, always like there's a there's a traitor in the myth. Like what? What event is there not? Like, it's Spider always Woman, that way. Spider Woman was a Remember the last or... Empire thing when Captain America was that guy? Oh, secret Empire. It's gonna be Captain. It's gonna be Spider Woman again. She was a triple agent. You never knew. Don't Not put a- that out there. They might do it. <laughs> I don't put that past them. Uh, yeah, and like you said, I think I also will say this is one of the coolest Avengers teams in a while that like we have right now with like Blade and Ghost Rider and like it's so it's such a different team and a fun the team. most jason aaron avengers yes very much so he literally plugged i mean that was always the running thing like with bendis when bendis ran the avengers and it was like okay luke cage is going to be on the team because it's bendis uh this person's going to be on the team because bendis likes them uh this is like Jace, jason aaron like this is my dream team jason and you know aaron what, just happens though? to love really cool characters it's great it's it's awesome i love it so this is really like one of the this event because it's so big and it's going to put the Avengers in the spotlight and the fantastic four. But I just think like, if it was going to happen, I think this is a cool time to happen because it's such a fun team. So Matt, who's, I just haven't been paying attention. Who's writing the main, the main book for empire. Uh, Ewing. Al Ewing, okay. I think. Oh, yeah. Ewing's okay, cool. running. Then Ewing's writing. The I main take one. back everything I said that was bad. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah. It's, oh, it's actually Al Ewing and Dan Slott. That's right, because Slot is doing the Fantastic yeah, Four. Fantastic side. Four's been really good. It's Fantastic Four. So, if look, Slot, I like, I like, Dan, I feel like I'm always like one of the few people on <laughs> when we talk. I've been about hit or miss on Dan Slot in the yeah. past, but I don't his, love Fantastic, Iron Man. his Fantastic Four has been very yeah. good. His Fantastic Four has been good, and that is what he is he's handling because the Fantastic Four are such a big part of this storyline. He's handling that. And Ewing's so, Immortal Hulk is one of the best like mainstream comics of the last few years, which is ending soon. RIP. Yeah. All right. So we're going to keep an eye on Marvel's Empire. Um, yeah, since we'll have less movies to talk about this summer, we will be getting into these comic book events. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. Finally, Megan, it is your time to shine. Take these fools. What is through? What is happening in manga? We've been telling you guys since quarantine started, you need to get that was manga subscriptions because, yeah, I mean, comics are great, but manga's really been hitting its stride. Um, I mean, it's always been great, but it's really hitting its stride in the mainstream in the last couple of years. And right now, there are some big shifts happening in the genre. We have some new doors that are opening wide and some doors that are closing. So uh, 
Megan, lay it out for us. What's going down? Awesome. Well, just as a brief, brief little moment, if you are paying attention to any of the weekly Shonen Jump series, there are spoilers coming out in the next couple minutes. So yeah, I've we got warned you. Lots of manga spoilers coming. Um, yeah. yeah, just just like a quick heads up. But basically, um, in in lieu of most entertainment happening right now, uh, comics and manga are just going nuts. Um, we had two major finales just happen in terms of manga. So if you had heard us talk about on the podcast demon slayer kimetsu no yaiba or the promised neverland those are officially done the mangas have ended now the anime still has a lot to go so you can still watch it but the stories have wrapped in print um unfortunately and i think kofi agrees with me on this these endings were a little bit weak uh they kind of I feel like Demon Slayer really got into its hype because it was so popular and it just kind of started falling apart and rightfully the, um, the artist ended it before it could just like devolve into like some Inuyasha nonsense. And I say this as a big Inuyasha fan, um, but basically the, the Demon Slayer, it opens up room for like a modern day sequel, but we like time skip from like feudal era Japan to like modern day. And it's, pretty nuts seeing how everything works out um and the promised neverland also has a major time skip forward so you go from them being like 12 or 13 to like 15 16 um and they're no longer you know food for demons anymore which is great but unfortunately like the main character doesn't remember anything that happened (laughs) so it's pretty pretty weak in that regard it's the the last spread of that like you really wanted something impactful from emma and norman and ray and all the kids but you don't get it and fans were pretty upset with you know it was emotional but like it just is really lacking um to have all this build up a lot of commentary um surrounding the ending has just been like the promised neverland started out really good with this kind of like dark setting but as the manga went on it just didn't quite nail the head well i was so what i was surprised in both these series are really similar is how they they really started out like building these kind of intricate mysteries but it feels like as they both started to get more popular like the anime and stuff like that like the creators both freaked and then just like immediately jumped into a climax mode like yeah from like zero to climax mode in both of these series whereas like i feel like old like older manga and stories like that would have we would have had like at least like two or three more arcs it's just like mm-hmm. and we went through like these decisive battles to like okay final battle time and it's like yeah demon slayer had you thinking like you got to kill every you know that we would have time to kill like every lower ranked demon and then upper ranked demon and then we have a final battle and it's like nope we fought like nope two upper ranked demons i feel like we're ready to kill everybody like and then it just goes into these insanely big but kind of rushed finale acts that were like yeah and ultimately very nonsensical um so that 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 kind of sucked but the anime you know fingers crossed like we get filler like this is the one time in the case that i'm like advocating for more filler like give us a little bit of padding like fill in some of those gaps for us because like the Maga did not do that. Um, but on the other hand, today we just got new chapters of Borto, Naruto Next Generation, and uh, Dragon Ball Super, which are two of the biggest franchises out there, obviously. Uh, obviously, Borto has some controversy when it comes to the anime, but like, hot dang, the manga is so nuts. Point. Like, if you are actively somebody who hates on Boruto and like the anime, like I hear you, I see you, your opinion is valid, but like turn off the TV and pick up the manga and read it because when the anime finally starts adapting it, it's going to be so good. Yeah. So not, not a bad chapter. So Nothing why question, why hasn't the anime adapted it yet? Was it just cause it wasn't done? Like it well, wasn't out? The manga Mainly moves. it's yeah. been because uh, Borto and Dragon Ball Super are both on monthly publication schedules. So you only get one issue a month. So they are longer issues, but it's not enough to float, you know, like 
tons of episodes that would happen in that that time period gotcha. so okay. they've been doing a bunch of filler content to kind of pad out like the universe of borto uh but now it's been suffering because it's lacked an actual plot line so we're like a hundred and you know plus episodes into borto at this point without like a central plot line uh oh, which Lord. has really caused the pacing and quality to suffer um it has just recently started adapting the anime but unfortunately right at the time it started doing that COVID happened and Borto has been off air for like two months now. Uh, so the manga has been pulling stride and I like, I don't even want to like spoil what happens in this big chapter because like, I just, it's, I'm still processing it, but all I will just tell you is if you were a fan of Naruto and you were very attached to the character Jiraiya, like, please catch up for this new chapter like they're totally available fan, online like, you can read it yeah. and the same goes for dragon ball fans who are very attached to vegeta because he has like the greatest comeback like i can ever remember seeing in the dragon ball franchise and like i read a majority of gt um which i won't even talk about right now but like vegeta has like such a great moment he gets an amazing power like goku finally admits that like Vegeta has surpassed him. And then in classic fashion, Akira Toriyama just gives him like the biggest L in life. It's so sad. It's so sad. If you've been seeing like Vegeta trending on social media the, like the last few days, this is why. Because people have yeah. been like freaking out about this like long deserved comeuppance that Vegeta has gotten. And ultimately it was kind of undermined in well, literally Dragon the Ball last a Dragon years. Ball, yeah. Dragon Ball got a Dragon yeah. Ball. I mean, like, we, we knew it was coming, but it's still pretty upsetting. But, like, the fact that, I mean, manga has been consistently hitting strides. I mean, to talk about My Hero Academia for a second, Oof. like, Shigaraki, who is the villain of My Hero Academia, um, we're currently in, like, the first major raid ambush of a war that has now started between villains and uh, heroes. Basically, Shigaraki has finally inherited the full power of his master all for one and he is legitimately one of the most terrifying like comic villains like that i have encountered in recent are you talking hand face guy oh no yeah he hand. ain't hand face oh, guy hand face guy yeah, yeah. Hands hands are gone. Gone. yeah. what it's nuts oh like, no hand guy. <laughs> so my just, theory was wrong he doesn't get his power from the hands okay no but he did no. just you, kill I mean, a bunch I, of kind of you weren't totally wrong yeah no yeah. no yeah he wiped out a lot of people it's pretty freaky he's basically yeah, so, evil god now and, and it's pretty yeah freaky. he he's basically just like i like i i've never been so invested in a manga wanting to know like how in the world is izuku going to be able to beat shigaraki because yeah, I mean, like, no, it's just so impossible to see right now. He's so going to cry and then it's going to get better. No, yeah. My Hero Academia is, has become that series that like every week it comes out on Sunday and like you pull that up and you're just like, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat for like a good 10, 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. Just going through the chapters because every single one is so, just a cliff, like a nail biter. And it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. It reads so quick. And the, the art of it right now, Kohei Horikoshi, when he draws Shigaraki, when he draws the villains, period, I feel like that's when he really shines. Um, he's been really able to play with like paneling and just how he's organizing the layouts of everything with the black colors of using like negative space for Shigaraki. It has been so, so, so good. Like I'm keeping up with my regular comics, but honestly aside from this upcoming Marvel, you know, event that we've been talking about, like the events that I'm looking forward to are like, wh who is going to die next in My Hero Academia? Because at that point, this series is not at all the series that tonally is shown in the anime right now. No, they're all changing. My Hero, Boruto, Dragon Ball, going through some crazy evolutions through the manga. And it's, it's pretty interesting to see where it goes. So yeah. That's what's going on in manga. You guys need to check that out. Shonen Jump, like a subscription is, is like what, nine bucks a month and it's totally worth it. There's so much content, so much. Mm -hmm. So you guys need to check that out. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. If you're just getting into our show during the quarantine arc, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to an RSS feed and get regular updates about new episodes. 
or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or you can tell your Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll get it going for you. If you want to see our smiling faces, you can check out the comicbook.com YouTube page for Comic Book Nation episodes or watch us when we go live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday with these episodes and check us out there. If you want to drop us a line, you can check us out at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Find me at Matt Aguilar CB. I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And I'm at Megan Peters CB. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys again. And if you're just getting into the show, we are out of the office right now. Obviously, we are at home like everybody else. But we're hoping to one day get back in the office. And when we do, we're going to have a big thank you run because if you guys leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we read a bunch of them periodically. And if we read yours on the air, we send you a free Comic Book Nation t-shirt. And we're planning to burn through a lot of t-shirts when we get back in the office just as to show appreciation to our fans. So make sure you get those five-star reviews in on iTunes. Otherwise, this is Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in again. Make sure you stay connected, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, be careful out there, and we'll see you again. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.